0: Have you been on a podcast before, John? I have not. No, first time. Oh, this is your first time. Exciting. Yeah, I did radio in college. So, I, you know, this is like, I'm like all about the radio voice. Believe it or not, I uh,
1: I had the start of four different degrees. First one was engineering. Second one was accounting. Third was mass communications Finally, my girlfriend at the time said, hey, you better pick something and stick with it. And I wasn't good enough in radio to make any money at it. So I went into sales and marketing.
0: It's that supply and demand thing. It sounds sexy. So everybody's like, oh, we're going to do that. And then, uh, nope, cranes. Hello and welcome to Make It, Move It, Sell It. On this podcast, I talk with company leaders about how they're modernizing the business of making, moving, and selling products. And of course, having fun along the way. I'm your host, Adam Honig, the CEO of Spiro.ai. We make amazing AI software for companies in the supply chain, but we're not talking about that today. Instead, today, we're talking with John Lund, the Vice President of Sales of Marketing at Thurn, which is probably my favorite maker of cranes and winches worldwide. I mean, if I had to pick one company that does that, Thurn, of course we would do. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate being your favorite. I'm not sure
1: that you could name a number two, but it's going to be number one.
0: You're definitely number one and you know, done some business together over time. But I think that a lot of people on the podcast are very eager to hear about the fun uses of cranes and winches. For me, it's the New Year's Eve ball drop that always comes right to mind. Maybe you could just start off by telling us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great stage for us to be on every year, right? One that uh, makes your uh, heart stop for a moment every time that the ball drops, just saying, hey, this is a big stage that we're on, millions if not billions of people watching. But uh, a little over 20 years ago, we were approached to provide a winch that not only would raise and lower a heavy piece of equipment, but also do it in precisely one minute. We've been part of the New Year's celebration
0: in Times Square for over 20 years. And so the, the thing that makes it really special is, is not just the fact that it's, you know, high up and everybody's looking at it and stuff like that, but the fact that it has to descend exactly at the right time. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: It's uh, partly mechanics and it's partly electronics that makes that happen. And we tie it all together with our winch and control equipment.
0: I always figured there was some guy behind the scenes, like making sure it went exactly right. But no, you're telling me it's all automated. Is that what I'm hearing? It's a press of a button. So it's time precisely. In order to do that, we groove the drum. We have
1: wire rope that carries the ball up and down the platform. By synchronizing it precisely, we're able to do it in exactly one minute.
0: And is there like a Thurn engineer on site just in case like you need somebody there? Or no, it's at this point, you're like, we've been doing this for 20 years. We got it. There's no need.
1: This is actually the second winch. Uh, they, they increased the size of the ball probably seven to 10 years ago. And it required new winch and controls. So this is actually our second round with the New Year's Eve
0: ball. Gotcha. Well, I'm super curious. Like, is is that level of precision in terms of timing important for other customers, or is that really just a New Year's Eve ball drop thing? No,
1: uh, Thern has uh, three different divisions. Uh, we have an entertainment or a theater division, which is actually ties in with the ball drop in Times Square. We have an industrial division and a water-wastewater division. Each of those different segments of customers have different requirements when it comes to precision. Some don't care at all, and some care a lot. So the answer to your question, Adam, is, yeah, we have many customers that are looking for precision in their, in their lifting,
0: lowering, and positioning applications. Gotcha. So is it mostly in the entertainment side of things? Like if you're swinging Peter Pan around on the stage or something like that, you need to do that, but maybe not as much in industrial?
1: Well, uh, actually, we manufacture a winch for a company in Texas that makes lariats, think roping bowls. And so our winches will actually tension those lariats and take all of the residual tension out of them. So it's really important that we pull to a precise measurement and then release it.
0: Yeah, that's that's super cool. See, this is why you guys are my favorite, you know, crane and winch company. I mean, who does that kind of stuff? People just think, oh, you know, they're carrying steel beams and, and stuff like that. But there's a lot more to it. Yeah, it's
1: very, very unique. We have a broad range of customers, some that I can mention and some that I can't. But we have a number in the uh, aerospace industry. NASA is one of our really good customers. So we're thinking of them and the folks in Florida down the Space Coast today and this week as a hurricane rolls in. But yeah, our equipment moves aerospace equipment around. We have cranes that lift motors out of helicopters. Very wide range of wide range of applications.
0: How long have you been in the crane business for, John?
1: Myself, uh, I've been in manufacturing for a little over thirty years. I've been with Thurn
0: for five. So you've probably seen a whole bunch of changes in manufacturing during that time, then.
1: Oh, definitely. Yep, the progression towards uh, lean and six sigma kind of roll all the way through the various iterations of of disciplines within manufacturing.
0: It's really interesting. So we've been seeing kind of a little bit of a pushback on lean, you know, with everything going on in the supply chain, you know, people have been kind of moving to more of a, a just-in-case kind of method instead of just-in-time. Have you been seeing much of that at, at third? You've been talking to toilet paper manufacturers or? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I was talking with a spray foam manufacturer, and that's what they were saying. They were having trouble getting supplies. I mean, it was really a big challenge.
1: It really has changed, Adam, over the course of the past two years. Fortunately for Thurn, our business has actually increased over the course of the past three years through the pandemic. A lot of infrastructure projects going on, which have supported our business. Also, a lot of theater projects which were funded pre-pandemic, which allowed us to get into theaters because they were dark. And it allowed workers to go in without audiences to do major renovations and projects.
0: That's really interesting. So what what you're saying is that when the, the pandemic kind of shut down theaters and Broadway and stuff like that, those organizations took the opportunity to remodel. They did because there's so much public funding within the theater business
1: that many of our customers... When the lights went dark and they could no longer have audiences, they already had money budgeted for renovations, but trying to work those renovations in when you've got audiences in and out of theater complexes is sometimes really hard. And so rather than, you know, wait for the pandemic to be over to spend the money and do the renovations, they actually brought in contractors while they didn't have audiences and were able to update their spaces. Back to your question, though, Adam, as far as, you know, just in case, we hear that from our customers as well. They're they're willing to pay a little bit more money for availability. And one of the nice things about our products and our designs is that they're modular. We're able to, say, either grow or shrink our products, a standard line of products to adjust to our customers' needs. And so we can turn out a semi-custom product in the same amount of time or
0: less time than some of our competitors can produce a, a standard product. Gotcha. And what, what gives you the ability to do that? Is it just the design, the way that you architected the, the product? Or? Yeah.
1: It's, uh, it's standardized, frames, and then we can adjust the size of the drum of the winch in either make it wider or narrower. We can size up or size down the motors and the gearboxes that are associated with the winch that really allow us to provide a custom or a semi-custom product with very uh, little additional lead time.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. I mean, we you know we've been talking with a lot of people who are focused on like agility in manufacturing and you know being much more flexible in how they're doing things. So it sounds like you guys are kind of ahead of the curve on that approach.
1: Yeah, and it's really been that. That's one of the let's say the foundations of, of Thurn is flexible manufacturing and trying to be as adaptable as possible to the needs of our customers. Really utilizing our engineering talent for a relatively small company, we have a very deep bench of engineers that either whether it's mechanical or electrical or structural, they're really able to come to the assistance of our sales department and our customers with rapid solutions that
0: address problems that are out in the field. Gotcha. But that also puts more pressure on the sales team in a way, I guess, right? Because if everything can be custom, they really have to listen really well to what the customer needs. Is that something you work with them to do?
1: Yeah, it, very much so. And it's funny, so many people don't really understand our product. They they need it, but they don't necessarily understand how it functions or, or what the inputs are. I joke with, we do a lot of our business through distribution, and I'll joke with our distributors and say, hey, look, I just need you to find the opportunities. We'll solve the problem. Here are a couple questions that I need you to ask. What's the power source that's available for the winch? Is it electric? Is it pneumatic? Is it hydraulic? How much are you lifting or pulling? How far are you lifting or pulling it? How fast do you need it to move? If you can get me answers to those questions, we can design a product that's going to just blow your customer out of the water.
0: Are they able to like ask those questions for you? Is that a challenge at all? Not really, but
1: a lot of times you have to go back through the cycle again and say, hey, remember the questions that we've got to ask. And they're a slightly different set of questions when it comes to our cranes. We manufacture a small crane. A lot of people think of cranes as big tower cranes that they'll see on construction sites. Ours, when you see it on a construction site, is barely visible. Our tallest crane is about 10 feet tall and has a boom that reaches out about 12 feet. A lot of people think of cranes as being these big, massive structures, but ours are very purpose-built. They rotate 360 degrees, and a lot of times they'll service those large tower cranes. The large tower cranes will be on site anywhere from three weeks, three months, three years, and they have their own maintenance needs when they're on site, and they can't service themselves. They'll have gearboxes or motors that are way, you know, 300 feet in the air. Well, how are you going to get those parts up there? And that's where our cranes come into play.
0: And so so when you think about that, everything that's going in the supply chain today, you know, I was hearing you say that, like, in, in some ways it really accelerated your sales, which is awesome. And did it also present like material challenges for the business as well in terms of, you know, getting the inputs to produce the cranes and winches?
1: Our operations team has been absolutely fantastic in addressing those challenges. And I'm thankful for them every day. I wouldn't want their job. It's easier for me to be out on the on the front end trying to create demand than it is trying to react to it. But it's whack-a-mole, Adam. It's, today, it's fasteners. Tomorrow, it's motors. The next day, our galvanizer can't coat product for us. It's been shifting throughout the pandemic and part of its materials and pretty much all of its labor inputs and shortages
0: yeah, no, I know we've been talking with a lot of people who've been talking about the shift of people in the economy and the kind of jobs that they want to work and the working conditions that they expect and so on. So has that been some a uh, of challenge for you guys as well? You know, we're pretty
1: fortunate. We're in a quasi-agricultural community. Our headquarters is in Winona, Minnesota. It's right on the banks of the Mississippi River, right in southeast Minnesota. We're close to Iowa. We're close to Wisconsin and located in southeast Minnesota. So we draw from a fairly diverse group of people. And so we have employees that are, say, part-time farmers, and they supplement their farm income by working in our factory and all sorts of different talented folks that, that are
0: drawn into our organization. That sounds like a kind of a key advantage for the business, right? Sort of location. One of, of course, Drucker's four pillars. But in your case, it's about being able to get the right talent. And I imagine my my just sort of mental image of farmers is that they're pretty hardworking people. So they must be great people to have on the team.
1: Yeah, they are. They are. We just had one of our longest tenure employees retire last year, and he was uh, almost 50 years with the company. I had another gentleman this year retire with 43 years. A lot of people come and they stay for their entire career. Super talented machinists and, and folks that work with electrical equipment and all sorts of different assembly operations within our facilities, talented welders. And again, things that play in from the farm, right? A lot of these folks are, have to be pretty self-reliant and, and they take those skills that they, they learned growing up and, and they apply them within our factory.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, makes perfect sense to me. So when you when you think about next year and, and the upcoming years for Thurn, you know, we've been talking with a lot of people who are, I wouldn't say struggling with planning, but feeling like their planning for next year is a little bit cloudier than it's been in the past with inflation, interest rates, supply chain. How do you think about the future? What's what's in your crystal ball looking forward? The, the crystal ball is a little fuzzy, Adam, but I do see
1: challenges up ahead. We're seeing some slowing of capital investments and some pullback, not necessarily full-scale pullback, but just some caution going in. We see some customers reducing the number of pieces of equipment that they're ordering. Maybe they would have ordered 6 cranes and 12 bases and now they're ordering 4 cranes and 8 bases. They might be delaying or pushing projects. We're actually seeing some theater customers pushing projects that were supposed to deliver in 2022 into 2023 just trying to be a little bit more cautious with their cash reserves.
0: Yeah, I think that caution is definitely the the word. Like people can't see forward, visibility, you know, is a little bit less. I mean, a lot of people have been investing in like you know predictive analytics and stuff like that, but still, it's all coming from data of the past, and we expect the future is going to be different, right? Yeah, we're definitely seeing sort of a trend on caution across the board here.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not panic, which is good, and there's still a lot of. Investment and a lot of pent-up demand as people try and, say, recover from the pandemic. And and a lot of businesses are looking at labor trends and continued labor shortages and saying, hey, in order to continue my business and continue to meet my customers' needs, I'm going to need to spend capital in order to replace
0: the labor that that I'm not having within my organization. That works well for your business, as does the big investment in infrastructure that we're going to be seeing over the next couple of years as well, I imagine.
1: Absolutely. We get involved quite a bit with roads and bridge construction in aspects of those projects. So that's, that's certainly exciting for us going into 2023 and beyond.
0: Let me ask you this question. So I speak with a lot of people in manufacturing. And I feel like one of the themes that I hear is that younger people are not often drawn to that sector for one reason or another. And I kind of suspect that there might be misperceptions out there about the sector that they're thinking Model T Ford, that's what they learned in school. What do you think are the misperceptions that people carry around? I think you're exactly right and, and and part of it is
1: the drive for parents and it, and it's been this way for 20 years, right? You've got to go to college and that's the only way you're going to be successful. And I've got a couple sons that are in their 20s and several of their friends have opted for trade school versus going to a four-year college and those guys are coming out with less far less debt and far more opportunity than some of their college peers. Or folks that went to college, welding has changed dramatically from where it was 20 or 30 years ago. Assembly operations don't look the same as the old Model T assembly line, right? You pass a part down the line and you build it bit by bit. It doesn't look that way anymore. We're we're working with lasers. We're working with robots. Manufacturing has, is definitely in the 21st century is moving rapidly in adoption of technology in order to be more efficient, more effective with the labor that we do have.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm uh, reading this book about the economic history of the United States right this minute, just in my spare time, because I'm a nerd that way. But it talks about like the original division of labor and why they came up with that, because all of the immigrants early in the century, they didn't speak the same language. They were all educated very informally. And so Ford had to break it down into such small kind of mindless steps in a way to make everything run. And of course, even today, you know, graduating from high school, you would be extremely well-educated in the 1910s or whenever that happened. So it's just a totally different environment. But there's so much technology going into manufacturing that I I think we need to like get people to be aware of that. That's just kind of where I'm at.
1: And so much in manufacturing now, it's not unskilled labor. It's skill. it, It is really skilled labor. You need technicians to operate a laser table or some of the CNC milling machines, you need a a good background in, in science and technology. Math is huge. And some of those jobs can
0: be extremely challenging and extremely rewarding. And we pay well. For sure. Well, you know, John, this, is, this has been really, a really interesting conversation. First of all, of course, the, the use of cranes is always a great topic, not only for those of us who have small kids who just love cranes anyway, but for adults as well. But, you know, also talking about the, the changes in manufacturing and the, the just in case approach, that's super relevant to today's leader in, in the space. And then just this whole idea about like manufacturing as like a really a, a leading edge technology opportunity for people. People. I think that's something that's really important that we, we need to get more of the word out on. So I really appreciate your joining the conversation here today and talking about those topics. No, oh, you're very welcome,
1: Adam. It was, uh, it was fun being on your program.
0: Yeah. And so as a reminder for listeners out there, you can find every episode of Make It Move It Sell It at Spiro.ai backslash podcast. And I challenge you to say that three times fast, John. That's a bit of a tongue twister for me. While you're there, you know, make sure you subscribe. And you know, if you like John's conversation today about cranes and related things, maybe, you know, give us a thumbs up or a like or something like that. John, do you think people should do that?
1: I would welcome it. And uh, if you're interested in learning
0: more about Thurn. You can find us at www.thern.com. And that's T-H-E-R-N.com for those of you who might be spelling challenged like me. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, We're really looking forward to speaking with you on the next episode.